The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. about to inspire you with the stories of real people. Welcome to A Current Life with your host, Jimmy Gould. In the next hour, you will meet one of the most interesting and successful people in the world. Listen as Jimmy gets their real story of success, both the highs and the lows. We hope that you take with you some of the ideas we will share today and embrace your own journey. Now, here's Jimmy. Welcome to another edition of A Current Life. I'm your host, Jimmy Gould, and I'm very excited and honored to introduce to you my very special guest, Catherine Webb McCarran. Catherine, welcome to A Current Life. Hey, how's it going? Well, I'm very extremely happy to have you on the show. We've, we've wanted to uh, invite you on, and now that you're a big part of Cincinnati life with your new husband, A.J. McCarran, quarterback for the Bengals, we're excited to have you in our city and be a big part of our city. So, what I'd like to do is kind of tell um, our listeners, which goes across the entire country and into 180 countries, a little bit about Catherine. Catherine Webb McCarran is an American model, beauty queen, philanthropist, and television personality. She was Miss Alabama in 2012 and recently married A.J. McCarran, Alabama's three-time NCAA national champion and now quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals. Catherine is also involved at the Women's Crisis Center. Uh, Catherine, this show is about life's journey and the ups and the downs that we all experience and overcome to get where each of us is meant to be. So on that note, I'd like to start with your early years and ask you where you grew up and what you were like as a child. Yes, well, I am Southern bred. I was born in Montgomery, Alabama, and I grew up primarily in Alabama and Georgia. So um, I have a lot of Southern roots, but um, I'm a world traveler, it seems like, recently, uh, doing uh, my career and talking to people and um, working on modeling and different things like that. So I, I'm primarily, I grew up in the South, but, uh, but I feel like I'm a nomadic. <laughs> what, what were your kind of aspirations and dreams as a child? Uh, I mean, as you look at what you're doing today and, 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 and how many people are following you today, did you, did you have these dreams of, of, of doing this, you know, when you were young? And, and how did that come about? Never in my wildest dreams did I ever think that I would be here in this position. And and it's so cool to see it happen over the years and think, oh, my gosh, I mean, I, I feel so lucky and so blessed. And um, But as a child, I never really had a dream or one thing that I really wanted to do. Um, it was more so people telling me as I was growing up, you're so tall, you should – you should be a model or you should play basketball and Lord knows I'm horrible at basketball. So <laughs> I thought modeling would be the best way to go. Um, but even I was so naive and I had no idea what the modeling industry really was about. And so back then sports illustrated or vanity fair, it wasn't as big of a deal to me as it, as it, as it is today. And so um, to be featured in sports illustrated or have 
you know, a spot made fair magazine. It's incredible. Well, you, you certainly have, have kind of taken the world by a storm. And I think that, you know, it's, uh, I mean, getting to know you just, you know, recently, I can certainly understand why, because, you know, you have, a uh, such an incredibly wonderful way about you and, and how you deal with people and, and you're genuine and, you know, to Thank me, you. to me, beauty is uh, comes in many different forms, and I think you have it all. So I think Thank that you. <laughs> you know, well, it comes across that way. You're you're incredibly likable, and you're incredibly honest, and you know. So I guess you know, did you ever have a difficult moment in your early years, growing up? Something that really stands out as your toughest moment? Oh my gosh, absolutely. Um, I had a lot of self-esteem and confidence issues uh, growing up. I. I, I'm 5'11 today, but I was always the tallest girl in class growing up. And so I, my posture was awful because I felt like the more I slumped over, the shorter I was perceived. And, and then also um, I have a skin condition called vitiligo, and it's the same uh, skin condition that Michael Jackson had. I'm sure, sure. our listeners remember Uh, Michael Jackson wearing the diamond glove on his hand, and I was really to cover his skin condition because he hated people staring at him and and asking about it. And and in the end, he ended up bleaching his whole skin uh, the same color. And so having that skin impairment growing up and constantly feeling really insecure about myself and my appearance, it was awful. And I I had really bad insecurity issues. And and so... To go How'd from you that, overcome that? How'd you uh, overcome that? It wasn't until my first or second year of modeling where I was basically forced to stand on stage in front of people and forced to put on this mask of confidence until um, I really convinced myself that, you know, I, this is who I am. I can't change it. Just accept myself and, and let others people see me as who I am really. And, and so it wasn't until I forced myself to be confident in front of people and really t- keep telling myself, you know, you're beautiful the way you are and, and accept yourself that I really did. Um, and so it's almost like, I don't know if you ever heard people say this, but you hear people say, the more you tell yourself that you're happy, the more that you will be in the end. And it's kind of like that in a way. The more that you tell yourself that you're beautiful and that you're confident, the more you will be in the end. And for that case, that's true for me. Well, I do think you visualize what you want in life, and I do think uh, visualization is a big yeah. part of I'm a very know. big visual person. I'm, right. I've always been vis- very visual, especially when it comes to what I do. Um, I like to visualize... Let's say that I have a speech. I like to visualize myself on stage behind a podium giving a speech so I'm mentally prepared. It's all, it's all mental, really. I agree. I, I, I think that probably all of us at, at a different you know, time in our lives have gone through self-esteem and, 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 and depression and different doubts. And, and you know, just the way you've just spoken about some of the things you've had, you know, it sometimes takes you and puts you in an entirely different in an orbit, which you would think may at the at the time may have been the most unlikely thing you would have approached, but you know you took all those things. I always say adversity, if it doesn't kill you, only makes you stronger. And right. I've always felt that way, and uh, certainly you've overcome that. And it also makes you more aware of other people who are going through it, 
So you can be a heck of a role model for them as you're oh, going yeah. through. Oh, yeah. That's exactly why I've decided to join with the Women's Crisis Center because these women that have suffered through domestic violence and, and sexual assault and rape, they they are severely damaged emotionally and, and sometimes even physically. And so I feel like I've never been through what they have personally, but as far as women empowerment and speaking to them and listening to their stories and helping them emotionally, that's my thing. That's exactly what I feel that my one of my strengths are. And so... Um, so I'm really excited to partner with them as well and, and get involved. But, yeah, I, I mean, it's very personal to me and, and to live through that growing up. And, and here I am winning Miss Alabama, the ultimate beauty competition, going and competing at Miss USA and ending up in Sports Illustrated. It's, it's a true accomplishment for me. And, and I don't mean to say that to brag, but I mean to say that as look where I was and look where I ended up. And so right. it's a true story for me to share with women and young women everywhere. Well, it's a huge give back what you're doing by giving yourself to the crisis center and helping people. And, and I think what you did go through gives you the ability to be able to relate, you know, through your own past insecurities and being able to tell them how you overcame it. And even if they're not on the same exact level, we all experience or try to identify with what other people are going, going through. Let me ask you, what were your parents like? I mean, what, what did your parents do and what were they like? And I assume you got a lot of support from your family and your friends. I come from the true, typical, all-American Southern family. You say, yes, sir, no, sir, growing up. And if you didn't, you'd probably uh, get us scorned at. But <laughs> um, my dad is an entrepreneur, and that's where I get my entrepreneur spirit from. And he's very business savvy. And, um, and so I, I actually am a very big daddy's girl. Uh, my mom is a nurturer at heart. She uh, she has a, such a sweet spirit about her, and, and I feel like I get that side of me from her as well. But my mom has four kids, including myself, and uh, uh, when my younger brother and I were pretty much... I was two years old, and my brother was five. She had my younger brother and sister twins, and so she had all of us to deal with at once, and I still to this day don't know how she did it but uh but I applaud her in every way and I respect her with that but but yeah I mean my my family is a typical American family we we like to do cookouts we like to go to the football games we like to just spend time together um we my parents live on a lake so we enjoy boating and going jet skiing and all that kind of fun stuff well they have to be very proud of you and I I know that uh yeah, we're fortunate here in Cincinnati to have them as a part of our city because I assume they'll be coming here for games and yeah, absolutely. And, they're and, so excited. They they uh, they're they get so giddy when they uh, see AJ on TV playing football. So <laughs> um, I can imagine. Let, yeah. let me ask you: Did you have a favorite hero as a child? Um, as a child, who did I look up to the most? I I was so young and. It's hard for me to say that I had still the same role model as I did back then. I know nowadays my absolute role model would have to be Kathy Ireland, the 80s supermodel um, who turned herself into a multi-million dollar um, entity. And so 
she is someone that I look up to the most and how she carries herself and what she believes in and, and what she's done with her empire. It's, it's so have you, awesome. had the, have you had the chance to meet her? I did. I met her at the 50th anniversary for the Sports Illustrated Magazine um, event in Los Angeles. And I promise you, I... I'm so good around celebrities, I don't get nervous, or I treat them completely normal, but she was the only person that I completely made a fool of myself of. But um, she's so nice, and she gave really amazing advice to me and um, introduced me to her business partners, and so I'm looking forward to um, getting more uh, advice from her in the future. That's fabulous. So yeah. let me ask you, what, what are you the most grateful for in your life as you look at it today? Um, there's so many things I'm grateful for. I'm grateful for my family and the way I was raised, uh, where I am now. It's hard to pinpoint one thing, but, um, I think I'm just most grateful for my family and for having the background that I do. And, and because I would not be the same person that I am today without them and and their guidance and them teaching me, um, what's morally and ethically correct. And, and especially, um, uh, keeping me involved in church and, and having that part of my life. So you have have a strong faith. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I grew up in church, going to church every Sunday and Wednesday, and it was rare that we ever missed. And so, um, you know, as you grow older, you, you learn more about faith and you learn more about the Bible and what's right and what's wrong, and you, you go in your own direction. But, um, but I would not be the same person that I am today if I did not believe in God the way I do. Well, to me, it's, it's, and it wasn't always, but about 30 years ago, I kind of found my faith, and, and it really changed my life. It was such a blessing that, at the time, I didn't recognize the blessing that was, a, gonna, that was coming my way. I, I was, you know, basically had lost everything in my life and that I thought was important. It, it, it turns out it certainly wasn't, because my children weren't even born yet, and what it did is it opened up my eyes to a whole new type of, uh, a whole new way of living. And, um, you know, it wasn't about the money anymore. It wasn't about, you know, the glory and the fame and all that stuff. It really was about trying to find my purpose on this earth and what God exactly. had in store for me. And I, I felt, and I mean this, uh, from the first minute I met you, that you really have a very, very special purpose that you're going to bring this planet and you're going to offer people. And I think you've just begun on that mission. And I really believe, because it comes across, I mean, I watched the faces of the people when you walked in the room and obviously of all different ages, but particularly <laughs> young people. And they just, it, they were like, it was like, wow. I mean, and it wasn't, it's not just the outward beauty, it's the inner beauty that you share and your ability to, it's almost like everybody felt you were talking to them. I remember the Bill Clinton story when people would meet Bill Clinton, and I did have the opportunity to meet him, and I, and I knew Hillary and do know Hillary very well. But when you would talk to Bill Clinton, you felt you were the only person in the room, that right. he was only talking to you. And I think you have that quality about you, that people really feel that you're engaged with them. 
and no matter what else is going on. And I think that is such a rare quality and such a beautiful quality to have. So I'm excited about becoming your friend, and I'm excited about watching you moving ahead in your great life, really. Absolutely. I think you leave a better impression on people when, let's say, you meet someone and they can forget your name and they can forget what you look like, but they'll never forget the way you made them feel. And so that's what I truly believe, and I try to, I try to make every person I, I talk to feel important. Um, so we agree a lot on that. <laughs> Let me ask you, uh, do you have a favorite story or quote that you maybe could share with the audience, you know, about just anything from your life, something that you read or somebody, advice that somebody gave you that you know, that people can take away, you know, that people tune into this show from all over the world. Uh, frankly, every single country with the exception, I think, of North Korea. And, the, uh, and, and I do get a lot of emails and, and people calling and saying, hey, you know, and then we run this show, you know, throughout on iTunes for free so people right. can, can do it. Is there something that just comes to mind that you can refer to or, or link up with or a favorite book or whatever? Right. Um well, most recently, I can kind of say that different quotes appeal to me at different points in my life or whatever it is that I'm going through. But I think for people that are involved in their careers and their day-to-day lives, they, they get so caught up in their careers that they lose touch of themselves and they lose touch of, you know, living in the moment. And, um, and so they, it seems silly, but... I do love this quote, and it's by, of course, none other than Dr. Seuss. Um, Sometimes you will never know the value of a moment until it becomes a memory. And that really spoke to me in a different way because in my life personally, everything has happened so fast since the game um, that changed my life. Uh, Everything was happening so fast, it was an absolute whirlwind. And, you know... I still look back to this day. I, I talk about Sports Illustrated a lot, but it was such a pivotal point in my career. I, I look back at it, and I realize, you know, I I wish that I would have sit back and realized what it is that I'm doing and really relish in the moment instead of just trying to finish the day and get it done. And I mm-hmm. feel like that's where a lot of people mess up. Not mess up, but just really not take advantage of of you know, what's happening in their lives and time passes by so fast and they wish that, you know, they could have relived the moment. It's all about living in the moment and you don't really know the value of a moment until it becomes a memory. And so I think, you know, like I said, it sounds silly and childlike, but it really means a lot to me. You, You just really need to sometimes take a moment and really soak it all in because you'll miss it whenever it's gone. Well, those quotes, by the way, and I've actually, in the last day, three quotes from Dr. Seuss have been sent to me for some odd reason, so I've always believed things happen in threes, but, uh, you know, it's (laughs) those childlike things, because children don't lie. Children tell you their reaction right away, and frankly, what you're describing is exactly it, because I don't think, and I know I'm really guilty of this, of stopping and smelling the flowers, you know, and understand, right. you know, what is it that we're all doing here? Because, you know, it's almost like we get on a conveyor belt and then we don't know how to get off. And then when we get off, it's like we're almost uncomfortable. I know when I travel and I'm actually able to actually get away, I'm actually afraid to like go to a beach, get away for a couple of days because I'm not sure I'm ever going to come back because right. <laughs> I have to completely let go of everything 
And then I go, oh, God, i got to go back and do that. But when I'm doing it, I don't say that to myself because I feel like it's taken hold of me and it's just something I have to do. And I think that quote is perfect because all of a sudden you wake up and I'm a lot older than you. And I will tell you, as I look back and I'm sending my last son off to college uh, Thursday, Next uh-huh. Thursday, and you've met him, and he's Lucas, and he's six foot eight. He's going to play basketball, and you know, I'm saying to myself, "Where did the 18 years go?" It's yeah, like, exactly, wow. exactly. Guess, and you're gonna you're gonna see that as you know. I I've had this unbelievable pleasure to meet AJ, who is he, he is absolutely the the most genuine, uh, the most respectful young man I think I've ever met, and. I just enjoy it. It just, you know, I, I, I grew up where you opened the car doors for, for women and you, you know, you, you stood on the, in those days in the, the curb side of the street side when you were walking them, you know, down the road in case a car went over the side, you got hit. Today, you're supposed to walk them on the inside you take because you're afraid somebody's going to jump out from inside the, you know, the, the, the alleyway. I mean, the whole right. world is kind of, to me, turned upside down. And I think we really are at a crossroads where, People like yourself and AJ and my son and other people like that really have a road to travel to get this world turned around. And hopefully I'll still be around to help you. But, you know, (laughs) it's an exciting adventure you have in front of you. Thank you. Yeah, that's very true. I'm I'm excited you're a part of it. (laughs) Well, you know, AJ just uh, when he came in here and it's yes, sir, and no, sir, and everything like that, and it's... He was just a real pleasure to be with. I, I think you guys have a very special, special partnership, friendship. I think it all starts with that, and and, and it was it was really nice to see that. So I wish you all the best, both of you. Thank you. He's a sweet spirit. <laughs> let me let me uh, yes, let me ask you. So you started modeling at age sixteen, and and then your first pageant was for Miss Georgia, right? That's right. So you won Miss Photogenic and finished in the top 15. How did you leave that pageant? Because then later you ran for the Miss Alabama and won Miss Alabama. Tell me in between what happened, you know, and, and kind of what your feelings were, what your internal feelings were about all that. Um, well, if you remember um, my story of growing up feeling really insecure and really <laughs> self-conscious about the way I looked, the, Miss Georgia was the first time that I'd ever been on stage and performed in front of anybody. And it was a beauty pageant. So obviously you have to have all the self-confidence and self-assurance in the world to even do well. And so I remember sitting um, backstage uh, watching all the girls get ready, putting on their makeup and getting their hair done. And I just found myself comparing myself to each one. And I found myself pretty much ruining every chance that I had at winning that night because I found myself comparing um, my looks to their looks and saying there's no way that I can beat her and there's no way that I'm prettier than she is. And so it, it, was, a very, it was a great learning experience, I'll have to tell you that. Um, you know, me placing top 15 is awesome. And, and with that being my first pageant ever, I feel like that's a great accomplishment. Um, was I disappointed? Absolutely. You know, I, I, of course, you, everyone that enters a pageant wants to win in the end. And so, but then I look back at it now and I'm so grateful that I didn't win because I wasn't at the right, it wasn't the right time for me to. And so 
I decided to wait until after I graduated college to compete for Miss Alabama because I knew that I was ready. And that time, that break, um, in those two years that I had in college, I was able to grow up and mature in ways that I wouldn't have whenever I was 18. And so I knew I was at a point in time in my life to where I was mentally ready. I was had enough confidence in myself to know that I could win this thing. And so... Ended up winning Miss Alabama and uh, competed at Miss USA and placed top ten. So um, I worked really hard and and I studied so much and it all paid off in the end. Well, uh, uh, as you said, timing is everything, and you know I think we go through different things at certain times because there's lessons, right? And those lessons we don't always know what those lessons are at the time. I mean, uh, you know, people always say, do you have regrets? I always say no because I don't want to feel like I have regrets because I'm happy where, where I am today, and you right. have to go through those things. So I just think life is about learning and, and, and developing and growing until we find out really what it's all about. And, you know, I, I think what you went through to get to winning Miss Alabama was certainly one of those journeys. You know, uh, right. we're going we're gonna, to uh, take a short break. We, uh, we've been talking about the journey in the life of Catherine Webb McCarran, Miss Alabama 2012. You're listening to A Current Life brought to you by Circa Black, prepaid MasterCard, Green Mountain Coffee Roasters, Pure Romance, and Adspace Small Network. Uh, please stay tuned. We'll be back shortly. Thank you. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. If you are interested in real estate in America's largest city or anywhere, be sure to listen for Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Although our focus is on Manhattan and other real estate markets in and around New York City, we'll have plenty of information that will help you successfully buy, sell, and close a transaction no matter where you are in the world. Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco can be heard every Tuesday at 9 a.m. in New York, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to A Current Life with Jimmy Gould. If you have a question or comment for Jimmy or his guest today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd like to send an email, the address is acurrentlife at yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. 
This is Jimmy Gould with my special guest, Catherine Webb McCarran, uh, who won Miss Alabama in 2012, and you're listening to A Current Life, brought to you by Circle Block, pre- uh, prepaid MasterCard, Green Mountain Coffee Roasters, Pure Romance, and Outspace Phone Network. Catherine, um, I want to ask about the moment on television during the national game when Brent Musburger... Um, uh, they they reflect they they showed your picture they showed you in the stands uh, along with AJ's mom and they frankly did not cut away for a long time and then Brent <laughs> started talking about you and then he he said the famous words that every young boy should now go out in the backyard and start throwing a football around right. in order to meet somebody <laughs> like you and I've watched that several times because I wanted to first of all see your reaction. Uh, not that you were aware of it at the time, because obviously you said you weren't when I watched your interview um, after that on the Today Show. But secondly, to try to get a sense of whether or not, and I know Brent, whether or not Brent was out of line or not out of line. And I just wanted to give my perspective and then ask you for your perspective. I didn't think he was, frankly. I actually just thought he was so taken by you that he just lost himself in the moment. And frankly... (laughs) you know, forgot word that he was doing the national game, which, which, you know, and, and I think as you look back on it, he didn't say those kinds of words that were insulting or anything like that. I know ESPN apologized to you and you handled it so gracefully and so beautifully and put the emphasis back on the football team. But what is your reaction to that? Cause I mean, it, it just went off like a storm around the entire country. Um, Obviously, my initial reaction was just complete shock. Um, and, you know, I, like you said, I had absolutely no idea what was happening, and I was just there supporting AJ, and, and never in my wildest dreams did I think that that would happen. Um, I felt so bad for Brent Musburger afterwards because um, everyone gave him so much flack for it. But I... In my opinion, I feel like if he would have used more derogatory words such as, oh, she's sexy, um, oh, she looks a certain way, I I think it will have been a little bit more inappropriate. But, you know, what woman does not want to hear that they're beautiful? You know, that's such a positive word to use to describe a woman. And so, um, you know, I I was not, uh, my feelings were not hurt at all, Um, and I think it benefited both of us. Um, so, I mean, I, I felt bad for him, but at the end of the day, I think it helped out both of our careers. Well, I think, um, first of all, I agree with you, and secondly, I think I, I, I kind of uh, say that his shoes were untied and he just certainly just tripped on the shoelaces. I mean, you know, I was laughing, frankly, because, one, you weren't aware, you, you weren't aware of what he was saying at the time, uh, you are beautiful, and the fact of the matter is everybody watching the f- television set was going, wow, but they also at the same time were listening to him, and I think he, he just kind of tripped on his own shoelaces, and I think yeah. <laughs> what I like about it, in a way, is he was he just was really telling, saying how he felt, but I didn't think that he was insulting. I think he just kind of was, he was, he was like childlike, you know? It was like, right. you know, and so in that regard, but I thought, what was remarkable was the way you handled it. Thanks. And I think that you you just have a very, you must be an old soul because you have a, an incredible way of taking information and, and finding the silver lining in it. And 
to me, and we've only known each other a short time, and we've had the opportunity to spend a little bit of time talking, but, but you really do. You really have a Thank way of, of getting to the special place in a relationship, and for you to say that about Brent is really special, and I think that deep down inside, that to me is what is the, is the really special part about you, and, and you. you carry yourself that way, and, and, and so that kind of leads me to my question is, so with that said, what is it like to be Miss Alabama? Um, it's such an incredible feeling. I remember uh, it's something that I wanted for so long, and it was kind of a pivotal moment for me um, emotionally as well because of my story growing up and everything that I had overcome and, and conquered, it was kind of, it was kind of not to prove a point, but to really show, hey, you can do anything you set your mind to. Um, you know, growing up feeling really insecure and, and about my skin and the way I looked and to win a beauty pageant over all things. I mean, it's awesome. And I remember uh, being friends with a previous Miss Alabama um, a couple years before I won, and uh, she had her crown and her sash stashed in her guest room. And so I remember staying in her guest room, and everyone had gone to sleep, but I remember taking her crown and her sash out of the box and tried it on to see what it looked like on me. And it was kind of like, whoa, this is so cool. And so kind of reassured myself, okay, this is exactly what I want. And it's not the title or the crown that I wanted. It was what comes with being a Miss Alabama that I wanted. It was being able to be an example for people uh, is what I wanted. It was being able to have a positive effect in people's lives and and speak to people and to um, be an example for girls. it was everything that comes with being a Miss Alabama is what I wanted. And I was able to use that platform to help change girls' lives. And so, um, you know, I'm very passionate about that. And it's not about the fame or it's not about the looks and anything like that. I mean, that only lasts so long because we're all going to end up getting old and wrinkly in, in, in the day. And so it's what you do with it that matters. And so... It's it's such a great opportunity to be a positive role model for people, and, and I treasure it forever. Well, you know, one of our sponsors of the show is a is a company I'm involved in called Circle Black, uh, CircleBlack.com, and it's a Circle Black prepaid MasterCard. And one of the main reasons why, you know, the company came to you and to Ludacris was because of your, both of you represent empowerment. You both are talking about the theme of empowerment and how to get people to find their passion, whatever it is that it is, and their purpose, and to go after it and not be afraid. And to, you know, and your achievement at winning Miss Alabama and the road that you traveled, and especially the road between Miss Georgia, you know, of running for that and then becoming Miss Alabama and going through what you've gone through is a way of showing hope and, and that people should should dream and should people should go after those dreams and and you know the circle black card is a is a black metal card it's the only metal card in the world for a prepaid uh, card that you know that the young millennials the people 18 to 35 years of age have a it's chance the only metal getting. card in the world 
Yeah, that's that's, that's awesome. A pre, that's a prepaid debit card. Uh, there are metal cards that cost you know, a lot more money, but in this case, this is the only debit card, the only prepaid debit card, and I know you recently got one, so I'm curious, uh, what, is, what have the looks been when you've used your, your Circa Black card? Um, it's, <laughs> it's really funny. Um, as people automatically think a black card, they associate that with being extremely wealthy, and so, you know, the superficial side of me is like, oh, this is so cool, you know, I have a black <laughs> card. And then the um, the really neat part is that it is metal, and it's engraved. The circa um, emblem is actually cut out, and so they'll look through it and they'll hold it up and, and be like, "Wait, you can see through the card. That's awesome!" <laughs> and then um, and just the fact with it being metal and pretty much indestructible, I mean, that's pretty impressive in itself. And so um, the responses have been. You know, where did you get this card? Uh, and and so it, it's just been positive so far. And so I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. Well, uh, we appreciate that. And obviously the association has been all about empowerment. And we're trying to, to get the young people to understand that Circle Black represents, you know, that you can prepare, that you go after the things that you want in your life like you have. Let, let me move along to kind of um, your experience with someone else who I worked with. I guess I was his first unofficial apprentice, uh, Donald Trump, the owner of the (laughs) USA pageant. And you also then ended up working for him as a Miss USA judge. First of all, what is your impression of the Donald and and kind of your work with him? What did that leave you with? What were some of those experiences like? You have, let's say, let's see, what's a good way... It's so funny, though, because you see the Donald Trump on TV, and then you meet him in person. And they're not to say that they're two completely different people, but he knows how to put on for the camera. And it's so funny to see. And then when you talk to him in person, he's so normal, and he's so down to earth, and he is so nice. And, you know, I can only say good things about him. And, um, and uh, yeah, he's... He's a character, though. He really is. I have to say, though, the first time that I met him, I wasn't really t- more taken with the fact that he's Donald Trump. I really just wanted to see how he did his hair because I had seen his hair for so long, and I was like, so he brushes it forward, and then he combs it backwards, and then to the side. I wonder how long his hair is whenever it's wet. <laughs> oh, God, is that funny. I actually... I was with him, literally I sold him his football team, and I was president of his team, and I think he's one of the most down-to-earth people I've ever met in my life, and I also think he's the shrewdest and the best self-promoter I've ever laid my eyes on. And Absolutely. You know, yeah. I had the opportunity to work in Trump Tower and to be with him, and and um, I, I, I look back on the experience, and it was in the 1980s, it's just one of the great experiences of my life. I, I think he's a remarkable guy, I mean, you know, uh, we're very different, he and I, but but I'll tell you, I you have to give him a lot of credit for the stuff that he's gone after. He knew exactly what he wanted to do. He wanted to be the richest man in the world and the stuff that he's built and how he's promoted it. Um, he obviously had good taste in coming to you as, as Miss USA judge and then your participation in the pageant and that kind of you know, quality and value system that you represent. But, yeah, um, absolutely. I feel know. like he's a man with a plan. He always has a plan. Yeah. Yes. Like he always has a goal, and so he he knows what he wants exactly. So um, 
Well, I agree with you. I, uh, is there a big difference between Miss America and Miss USA? Um, there's not really a big difference besides the fact that Miss America is a scholarship-based pageant, and so girls will compete at their city level, win the city, compete at the state level, win their city, and each their prizes consist of different sponsors, but especially scholarship money to their college. And so um, uh, then they compete at Miss America, which is the final um, stage at point where you can win. But Miss USA, you automatically compete at the state level. And so for me, competing in Miss Georgia for my first time, I was competing against the most beautiful women in Georgia. And so it was, it was complete uh, um, learning uh, experience for me. But then you compete at Miss USA, which is the national level. And then you compete at Miss Universe once you win. And then you're competing against pretty much almost all the countries in the world. Let me ask you a question. How do you think the term beauty has changed in our society over the years? And what do you think makes a woman beautiful? Um, I think that the definition of beauty has absolutely changed. I mean, you look at the old supermodels, um, uh, Cindy Crawford, Naomi Campbell, Heidi Klum and Kathy Ireland, and they had pretty much what you would think of ultimate, ultimate sex icons with the beautiful bodies that have curves and and um, natural and just completely naturally beautiful, but yet still really humble and still really gracious, and um, and yet our definition of beauty has absolutely changed. Um, you can see it with girls nowadays, especially younger girls wearing kind of more suggestive clothing and they're 12 and 14 years old. And it's, it's really unfortunate that girls feel like that they have to wear those things to get attention from males um, or females to, to feel beautiful. But me personally, that's how I feel like it's changed so much. No, I feel like girls have such a, um, a skewed idea of what it means to get attention and so, or to feel beautiful or to feel um, self-assured with themselves. And so you see it all the time on social media with girls posting pictures of, you know, their different body parts and whether they're covered or not. And the amount of likes they get means the amount of attention they get. And exactly. it's really unfortunate that that's happening, but... You know, it's just changed so much nowadays, and, you know, I wish it was different. You know, you said, and I quote, "Love, I love being sexy, confident. Um, so let's talk about what sexy means to you. Uh, and in our society, being sexy is awful, often associated to looking sexy, like, the, like we're talking about, tight clothes, cleavage, short dresses. You know, any... and, and any advice to the female audience listening to the show right now? Because I think your view of, of being sexy is very different than that. Right. Um, if you were to meet me right now, literally this moment, I'm wearing jeans, a sweatshirt, and a ball cap. I mean, and I feel the most sexiest. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's not really ask about... You what, I, I'll ask you a question. I guarantee you no other man would ask you. So what ball cap are you wearing? I'm wearing a red... Uh, Nike ball cap. I should wear an armor because AJ sponsored by an armor. But <laughs> um, I've had this thing for years. Um, but you know, my definition of sexy 
it, it shouldn't be about your body and it shouldn't be about what's beautiful on your body. It should be how you feel about yourself and it and how that comes across to people. And um, I tell girls all the time, you don't have to wear the shortest dresses or the most low-cut shirts to to be sexy. You can you can wear a nice tailored suit and with heels, and you look just as sexy and classy, and people perceive you completely differently than you would if you were to wear, you know, something like a really short dress, like you're going to a club. I mean, it's... Right, right. And, you know, I, I wish that I could tell younger girls that and and how they should think differently, and, and they'll end up getting better um, selection of guys to choose from to date once they start... Um, dressing more conservative or or more classy, and they'll get different type of attention and 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 better choices um, of people to date. I, f- I feel like, don't you agree? Oh, I, I, l- let me tell you, I think you've hit it right on the nose. They may not only get a better selection of guys, they may get longer term relationships. Absolutely. And I, think, I think I think you are completely right about it. I think it's an internal thing that either you have or you don't have. And I think that, you know, for some reason, I, I, I think it comes back to your whole point of confidence. It comes back to your self-esteem and really what you want out of life. And, I mean, what I find remarkable about you, and, and I, I can't go through this interview without asking you what it's like to be a Sports Illustrated swimsuit model. But before I do, I think that you can do those things. And some of the people that are like Kathy Ireland and people like that, that have gone on to build these great businesses and stuff, obviously got it. They figured it out. You know, they, it, right. it's like being a ball player. I always tell the ball players I've represented, this is just part of your life. While you play it, play it 200%. But, but it's a billboard for your future, and it's not your only part of your life. And I think that's the unbelievable value that I get when I see you and AJ together that is so special because you guys are so well-rounded. You know, I see AJ and... He wants to talk about all these different ideas that he wants to build in business. I don't think we talked one minute about football. And, and right. you know, he knows how many businesses I've built, and he says, I want to sit down and talk about it. To me, it's like talking with you about how we change the world together, you know, how we empower the world together, and what can we do to make that happen. So I think you're completely correct. I think that young women should, you should, first of all, you, I hope you have a website. If you don't, you should have one, and, and you should be able to invite people to come to you and ask them, how they can get your knowledge because you are you have a great deal of knowledge to give them. You really do. I I feel like that that's kind of my purpose here, um, especially with everything that I've grown up and and overcome and conquered and and my different successes in my career. I, I feel like I I've learned so much and I I just want to share with you know with women and and empower them. And it's all about empowerment, like you said. Well, you're doing that with the Crisis Center, and I'm sure you're going to be doing it with a lot of things. So tell me, what was it like to be a Sports Illustrated swimsuit model? <laughs> if I don't ask you that, my 21-year-old son, Dylan, and my 18-year-old son, Lucas, will be very mad at me. You, as a model, you feel like you've reached kind of the point in your career where you'll never look back, and you, you can only expect bigger and better and greater things um, for yourself, and you feel like you're among the elite in the business. I remember literally at the Sports Illustrated uh, 50th anniversary um, event in Los Angeles, I was sitting 
two rows back from Tyra, I was standing right by Heidi Klum and I was, you know, among these amazing, beautiful women that had overcome and conquered everything in their career by themselves and, and with the help of their team. And and you just feel like you're among the elite and you like you're a part of it. And, and it's just an awesome feeling. And a lot of people think that, you know, my fame and, and my career was handed to me. But my response to that is, you know, I worked extremely hard to win Miss Alabama, and I extreme, worked extremely hard to be where I am today. And even though with the help of Brent Mosberger, you know, I was able to do all those things, if unless I was Miss Alabama, it would have never happened, you know. And, and so I feel like everything happens for a reason, and I think that, you know, I'm here for a purpose, and it's not just to make money, and it's not just to be in the media. I, I feel like I have so much to offer and so much to give back, and, you know, I'm completely okay with being in the public eye to have that platform to do that. Well, let me ask you, uh, what do you think is the biggest struggle that women in all societies face today based on that? Because you're certainly a role model for them, and I guess that is going to be one of the great you know, struggles that you're going to go through in, 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 in education and, and, and being able to be a role model for women in all societies who are some of whom have very little freedom and some of whom have maybe too much freedom in terms right. of not knowing exactly how. And I think discipline has always been a big feature, a big characteristic of yours. So how, what would you say is the biggest struggle and kind of how would you see yourself dealing with that? I feel like the biggest struggle for women nowadays is the perception that they can't accomplish their dreams because they are women. And you think of, um, when you think of you know, the, the glass ceiling that everyone's trying to break through, um, and you think of what feminists say about uh, women have the, the same opportunities as men. And, and you know, I, I wouldn't call myself a feminist in a way because I still have, you know, my Southern morals and traditions where I love cooking for my husband and I love, you know, taking care of the house and and keeping everything nice and straight. But at the same time, I know that I can go out and make my own money if I needed to. I don't have to rely on my husband to be the breadwinner. I can go out and do it myself. And so, you know, I, I think it's just the mindset that women struggle with the most of of them not thinking that they can go do something because they are women, but they are, and they have the power to go do that. And it's just a matter of putting forth the effort and, and having a dream and having a goal and going out and doing it. I want to know, uh, I guess it was a few years ago, you went to India to work with a missionary group uh, and opening a dental clinic. That must have been an incredibly eye-opening experience for you. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. And, you know, the process of going overseas and getting there and seeing the world that they live in and realizing, you know, these people, they don't know any different. They don't know what it's like to be born in America and have, you know, all these things that we are, have access to. Um, you know, they, they're they so gracious and they're so okay with the way they live because they don't know any better. And for us and for me to see that personally, it reminds me of how blessed we are to be a part of this country and to have uh, the things that we do, and, and me especially being born in the family that I was. And and so um, I was able to, <laughs> you know, in India, they don't have specific uh 
roles, meaning that uh, for dental care. So I was actually able to help give cleaning and help do extractions on these different people. And so I played dental assistant for about a week or two. But... um, and then also, they, we didn't just do dental work. We we gave people um, uh, eyeglasses, people that, that have never been able to see before. We gave them eyes to see for the first time and, and to see their reaction and and to see, you know, them bawling their eyes out because they can actually see their, their kids grow up now. It's It's a phenomenal feeling and you know it's so rewarding and I encourage anyone to um, to be able to have the opportunity to do that to go do it um, it just reminds you of how blessed you are and, and I especially love giving back anyways um, so well, grat- gratitude is a big deal in life I think that you certainly have it and I think I think it's all part of the humility that you either have that or you don't have it, and, and, and you certainly have all those qualities. I want to ask, we only have a few minutes left, and maybe you'll uh, grace us with uh, more time to come back on the show and talk okay. a lot more because I know everybody's going to want to hear more about you and how you're coming along in Cincinnati and how AJ's doing. So I hope you'll agree to do that. For sure, absolutely. Let me ask, if you could choose one person, uh, dead or alive, to have dinner with, who would that be and why? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, me, right now in my life, I would have to choose Heidi Klum. I think of her as an all-around special person. Her personality is infectious, and the, what she does is amazing. She has, I think, around three or four kids, and yet you know, travels back and forth from Germany, working on her different businesses and working on Project Runway and doing what she loves. And I would love to sit down with her and ask her how she balances it all and how um, what has happened in her life to get to where she is now and what steps she's had and um, what steps she's taken to get to her point and what mistakes she's made and, and what advice she has for me because... Um, everyone loves Heidi. I don't know one person that doesn't think of Heidi Klum as a positive influence. So that would have to be my choice. Well, it's a good choice. Uh, as uh, Just in the last minute that we have left, as you look back on your journey, I'd like to ask, what do, what do you feel is the meaning of life or the greater purpose in life? Um, I feel like, obviously, you know, as a Christian, I feel like, meaning in life is to win people to Christ, um, personally. And then that's the first and foremost. But secondly, individually, you have to have to say, meaning in life, you have to find that for yourself. And you have to figure out what you're passionate about and figure out, you know, what it is that you want to do that makes you completely happy and fulfilled for the rest of your life and, and to give 110% at everything you do to reach your goal. Um, and so that's what I'm doing. Well, Catherine Webb and Karen, you are amazing. Thank uh, you. Young woman, amazing. And I'm grateful that uh, Archell Hawkins and Aaron Tucker introduced us. I'm grateful that A.J. took the time to come over, uh, your husband, A.J. McCarron, quarterback with the Cincinnati Bengals. Our time's up, and I want to thank Catherine for sharing her journey with us. It's inspired me, and I know the many listeners who follow our show in over 180 countries. I'd like to thank our listeners for tuning in to A Current Life on the Voice America Variety Channel and our sponsors, Circa Black Prepaid MasterCard, 
Green Mountain Coffee Roasters, Pure Romance, and Ads Baseball Network. This is your host, Jimmy Gould, signing off. Please join us next Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern for our next episode. And until next time, I wish each and every one of you a journey filled with hope, inspiration, and success. And Catherine, to you, much love and thank you for coming thank on the show. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Thanks again for joining us for A Current Life on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please tune in to another great program with your host, Jimmy Gould, next Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time. We'll see you next week. We'll be right back.